Welcome to the Life Fellowship Ministries International Broadcast. Our mission is to develop, maintain, and model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. And now, join us for the Life Fellowship Experience. Last week, um, I visited with Pastor Don, and it was a, a, a great time. He, he is such a powerful man of God, and and. It's, it's like whenever he's speaking, we need to be listening because it says of the oracles of God are coming out of his mouth. And I know that the Holy Spirit is speaking through him when he's speaking. And so, and I want to start with verse 8 this morning. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything they do. I think that's relevant to today. What we see in people that say they're Christian in, in the Christian church today, there's compromise. And what it does is it creates instability in every area of their lives. When people are, are waffling, when they're wavering, when they're in the world, and when they're, you know, back in, in God's uh, uh, place, you know, with, with the Lord, and they're, they're wavering back and forth, they're unstable, in, not just in their relationship with the Lord, but in all they do. It's a problem. So let's go to, uh, let's look at chap, uh, chapter 1, verse 9. Believers who are poor have something to boast about, for God has honored them. Now, I, th- I think it's interesting that unstable in all their ways. And then he starts talking about uh, people that are poor have something to boast about, for God has honored them. The Lord looks at our heart. He's not looking at what we have or what we don't have. My first point this morning is God is no respecter of persons. He doesn't evaluate us and others like we do. We may judge others based on their clothing, the car they drive, where they live, those kinds of things. And as a man, I know that that this is true of men. Uh, Women, you may not have the same approach, but... Uh, if, if I were to meet somebody at, at a meeting or something like that, and we're just having small talk, hey, how are you? Hi, my name's Mark. What's your name? Hey, my name is Tom. Uh, eventually, it would come around to, well, well, what do you do, Tom? Well, I'm, I'm an attorney, or I'm a doctor. Uh, I pick up your trash every Monday. And we begin to evaluate people based on what they do. And not who they are. And, and I think that's kind of a natural thing. But James is, is talking to the Jewish Christians. And, and he's saying this relationship with God is not only for the Jews. It's for all of us who will receive Christ. And our Heavenly Father desires to have an intimate, personal relationship with all of us. And that's one of the comforting things that I had about my mom passing is she had an intimate personal relationship with him. Not just for a week or two or when, when her health started declining, but for decades. And there was an established relationship there where she had peace. She knew where she was going. Then Peter replied, I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism. In every nation, he accepts those who fear him and do what is right. We were talking in uh, one of our, our life groups last week. We were kind of talking about this. Well, what about people that haven't heard about Jesus or, you know, things like that? I don't know. But I know that God is fair and just, and I know that he loves people. 
of all his creation and opportunity to receive him. I don't know about some of those other people. But when you, when you run across people that say, well, what about the pygmy in the bush? Or what about this? Well, I don't know. What about you? <laughs> you know, let, let's not worry about them. What is our relationship like? Do we have a relationship with him? In every nation, he accepts those who fear him and do what is right. The Greek word for fear here is, is reverence to God. It means to stand in awe. It's, it's equivalent to worship, adoration of God. And that's why worship is so vitally important. When we come into his presence, maybe we're coming through these doors with a lot of anxiety and stress and hurt or pain or whatever. But when we come here, we're coming here to give adoration to him. We're coming here to worship him and put our, take our mind off of ourself and focus onto him. And there's something that happens when we begin to just press in, even when we don't feel like it, even when we're hurting, even when whatever's going on around us, to rejoice in the Lord, to not be anxious about anything, but in all things, with prayer and supplication, presenting our request to God with thanksgiving. And then we get to experience His presence, His peace, the Holy Spirit. And so this word for fear is not like, oh, run and hide, He's about to get you. It, it's about this relationship, to stand in awe of Him, to think about everything that He has created. <laughs> Just look around this room and see some of His creation. How wonderful we are. How beautiful we are. How different we are. You know, I was thinking this morning that we're brothers and sisters. We're family. I'm so honored to be a part of this family. Man, we have a great family. But you know, sometimes there, there may be a little tension, but that happens with brothers and sisters. They, they may have a little tension or fight a little bit, but don't, I can fight with them, but don't you mess with my brother. Don't you mess with my sister. You're going to go through me. And so that's why we talk about really loving one another, that we have these relationships. It's okay to have those conversations. It's okay to be upset. Just don't, don't stay there because we love one another, and we have a common bond through Christ. And so let's look at 1 Peter 1, 17. And remember, the heavenly Father to whom you pray has no favorites. He will, he will judge or reward you according to what you do. So you must live in reverent fear of him during your time here as temporary residents. Now let me be clear. He's not saying that we're saved by our performance or what we, what we do. But what he's saying is that there's a responsibility when we claim to be Christian that we live this life out. And he's given us a task. My mom completed her task, 90 years, praying. That's probably one of the greatest things she did. And it's probably one of the hardest things to do. But that's probably one of the most effective things that we can do. James 5, 16, somewhere, says, The prayer of a righteous person, the prayer of a righteous man or woman availeth much. It does a lot. And, and so many people think, well, you know, praying is not that important. It is vitally important as we pray for one another. As you guys have been praying for us and we feel the peace of God, we tangibly, there are times when I know people are praying for me. 
not just in this situation, but when maybe I'll send something to the prayer team and I'll say, man, can you pray for me? I need prayer right now. And it's a supernatural thing. It's, it's, it's not tangible that I can grab it, but it's tangible that I feel it. And so our prayers are important. First uh, Thessalonians 5.17 says, pray without ceasing. Pray all the time. Pray a lot. Pray. <laughs> all right. So two weeks ago, we looked at Hebrews 4.16, and uh, the writer of Hebrews is saying, So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. To come boldly to the throne of grace and receive his help when we need it most. This message was put together before my mom passed. That praise and worship set was put together before my mom passed. And I ran out of that grave. And peace be still. Isn't it amazing how God works in our lives, even when we don't know what's going to happen? And I was thinking as we were singing that song, and I ran out of that grave. And Betty ran out of that body. She ran out of that body and went to heaven. Amen? So God is there to help us when we need it most. God's character is of love and grace. He's not mean and harsh like we can be. <laughs> he loves us. He's gracious. Let's go back to James chapter 1, verse 9. Believers who are poor have something to boast about, for God has honored them. My second point is God provides for all of us. Uh, when we honor God with the first 10% of our increase, he promises to supernaturally bless us. That's a good thing about what the tithe. And this isn't a tithing message per se, but, you know, 10% to somebody that has, is on, on this economic level is still 10%. Somebody that is a millionaire, 10% is still 10%. And, and the Lord wants us to return to him. He gives us everything. How many of you would say, if I said, look, I'll give you $1,000 a month, but I want 100 back. How many of you would say, oh, no, mm -mm, no, you keep it. And God gives us everything. Let's look at Malachi 3.10. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. He's like saying, come on. I double dog dare you because I want to bless you. I want your heart to be turned toward me, not to be focused on materialism and your money and things like that. The super, supernatural blessings of God are tied to our obedience. And I'm not just talking about money. I'm not just talking about provision. I'm talking about the full blessings of God. Peace, be still. When I need some peace, when I need some some direction on how to lead my wayward child. When I need some insight in what to do regarding a job and my boss or whatever. God's blessings go well beyond money and provision. And I, I've, I've shared many stories of, of God's blessing, financial blessings, and, and, and many of you know what I'm talking about. But obedience... I believe is tied to trust. Do we really trust him? Do we trust him to return back to him what belongs to him? Do we trust him to yield our life to him? 
Let's start with, do we trust him to give our life to him and make him Lord of our life? Do we trust him? Do we trust him when he says it's time for your mom to go home? Do we trust him when he says, I want you to step out in faith? I want you to be strong. I want you to be bold. I want you to be courageous. I want you to step out in faith. I want you to start a church. I want you to go to that person and pray with them in faith. I want you to reach out to that neighbor, whatever that looks like. Trust is usually directly correlated to our relationship. And so that's why we talk about every week this relationship with Christ. Because everything is based on that in our life. It should be. Do you really trust the Lord? That's the question of today. Do you really trust Him? Oh, yes, I trust the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. Do you really trust Him? Amen. So God is no respecter of persons. He doesn't evaluate others like we do. God provides for all of us. Even the poor in America are richer than many people in the world. Even the poor people here in America are, are rich compared to people in other countries. And when we obey God, He promises to provide abundantly. Please hear me. This is not a prosperity message. This is not give to get. This is, Lord God, I want my heart to be generous in giving like you are because you're a good, good father. James 1.10, and those who are rich should boast that God has humbled them. They will fade away like a little flower in the field. The hot sun rises and the grass withers and uh, the little flower droops and falls and its beauty fades away. In the same way, the rich will fade away with all their achievements. Our money can't get us into heaven. Our, position, uh, our uh, possessions don't make us more valuable in God's eyes. Listen, it all comes from him anyway. <laughs> why, why would he be impressed with what we have? He gave it to us anyway. The ground is level at the cross. Rich or poor, we may all come with our brokenness to be restored through Christ. Wealth and possessions, social status, now they can have a direct impact on a relationship with the Lord. Well, you know, I don't need God. I have everything I need. I have my yacht. I have a million-dollar home. I have whatever. But it's, it's not about our possessions. It's not about our money. It's about our heart. What is your relationship with the Lord? Is it authentic? Or is it based on, well, I'll call him when I need some help. Right now I'm in a jam, so Lord, can you help me out? Okay, now I'm good. Or, or this other perverted way of looking at, oh, well, you know, I'm just a worm. God's too busy for me. No. He loves all of us. Just where we are. And we can call on Him when we need help. One day our earthly wealth, possessions, social status, Facebook account will all be left behind. The only thing remaining will be this relationship that we have with Him. 
James 1.12 says, God blesses those who patiently, say patiently. patiently. <laughs> that was hard, wasn't it? <laughs> God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. God blesses those who patiently endure. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised for those who love him. How do you know that somebody loves you? The words don't always mean it, right? I mean, you can say, I love you. And you're like, well, if that's love, you know, that's okay. Love comes from this relationship that we have. Um, so God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to who? Hey, hey, that was awesome. To those who love him. To those who love him, and this word for love means have warm affection, have, have a commitment to him. He's promised the crown of life to those who love him. Two weeks ago, I, I said that uh, God will not tempt us, but he will allow tests. So God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Does this scripture indicate that God tempts us? No. Um, verse 13. And remember, when you are being tempted, do not say God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone else. I would, I would say that the majority of our temptations are a result of our selfishness because it's all about me. Um, let's read on in James 1.14. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. They entice us, and then they drag us away. We were created with a free will. It's one of the greatest things that God has done for us. He's given us a free will. We have the ability to make choices and decisions every day that have a direct result on our life and on the lives of others. I have free will. I could go into the liquor store and rob it. I have, I have the will to do that. There are consequences. We have the free will to love God, to come into this relationship, to ask him into our heart or not. It's a free will that we have. James 1.15 says, These desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. Ungodly desires entice us. They don't just entice us, but they drag us away. They bind us in chains. The results are ungodly and sinful actions. It's, if, 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 let me say if, sinful actions are allowed to continue, it leads to death. And it could be a physical death. It could be a spiritual death. It could be a number of different things. Um, you know, I, I was, the message today is a little bit different than what I planned after the last 24 hours, but um, I was talking to my wife, and I, you know, we were just driving home last night, and I said, I, I, you know, I don't understand some things. Why do we have these relationships that we love, and, and they're so deep, and they're so uh, we're so connected to our loved ones. And then people live, and then they die. 
And, and we, we struggle with the tension of that and the, the, the sharp pains of loss. And, you know, I was just kind of talking out loud. I said, I don't know why God designed this thing that way. She said something so profound that we all know, but I hadn't thought about. She said, he didn't. He didn't design it to be like this. It's a result of sin. It's a result of Adam and Eve disobeying God that death came, that sin came. And so the Word says that when sin comes to fruition, it leads to death. So we are suffering the consequences of what Adam and Eve have done, had, had done. But God had a solution. His name is Jesus. To restore us back. To restore us back. Because... Think about this. God's greatest desire is to have a relationship with us. What? In the Garden of Eden, He came down and met with them daily. He walked with them. They had this relationship. It wasn't from afar. That's what He desired us to, to live in. But it got messed up. But Jesus said, I came to set the captives free. Jesus said, in this world, he didn't say you might. He said, you will have trouble. But fear not, because I've overcome the world. And so what a beautiful thing that we can come back into this relationship because of what Jesus has done for us. So, again, we've talked about the Scripture in the past, but temptation comes from our own desires which entice us and, and drag us away. And these desires give birth to sinful actions, and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. See, it's a progressive thing. Have you, has your flesh ever told you, oh, just one more time? And 200 times later, your flesh is saying, just one more time? The flesh is a, a viable uh, force that we have to contend with. And so that's why I love Romans 12 too. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Just one more time, shut up, flesh. I've shared this story with you before when I was fasting. One of the first times I fasted many years ago, I fasted. I was fasting for nine or ten days or something like that, and I go into uh, H-E-B, and, and the doors open, and I can smell the oranges and the bananas and, and smell all the fruit, and I walk around this end cap, and there's an end cap of Hostess cupcakes there. And my flesh is like, rip the box open and just eat it. You can pay for it at the counter. I said, shut up, flesh, or you'll go another week. It's a contender that we have to deal with. Our flesh wants to satisfy itself. But we say, no, no, we're not eating today. And flesh, I'll let you know when we're going to eat, and then you can maybe have a cupcake then. Okay, so spiritual growth and maturity is a process of transformation through Christ. And I, I, I put this slide up uh, recently. Many times we think we have to perform rather than to realize we are being transformed. God is transforming our life if we will allow him to if we yield to him. So verse 13 says, God is never tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone else. Temptation comes from our own desires. Re the results are ungodly actions that can lead to death. 
Our selfishness is driven by our sinful nature. Let me ask you to consider this. Why would a Christian choose to live a sinful life? Their flesh? Selfishness? Well, that's what I want. I know the Lord says this, but this is what I want. The, the desires and, uh, of our carnal, fleshly uh, nature is very strong. I know it's wrong. However, I choose to steal. I choose to sleep with someone that I'm not married to. I choose to go to an inappropriate website. When that thing popped up, the Holy Spirit said, don't click on it. Mm, do, I, do I click on it? Do I not click on it? I choose to fill in the blank. It's a choice that we make. But the whole, we have the Holy Spirit to guide us and lead us. Have you ever ha- had the Holy Spirit say, don't go there? And have you gone there? We all have. Don't go there. Hmm. Okay, I think I'll go this way. It's a choice we make. And the more that we resist the flesh, the easier it is to obey the Spirit. Jesus is writing to Christians. These biblical truths are for us. They were for them back then, and they're for us today. Remember Hebrews 4.16, So let us come boldly to the throne of grace, our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Let's look at Proverbs 19.3. I love this. (laughs) People ruin their lives by their own foolishness and then, then are angry with the Lord. Drop the mic on that one. We were created to have a relationship with the Lord and to live a life of power and victory. This relationship is a catalyst to the abundant life Christ came to give us. Spiritual death may come as a result of continued rejection of God in our life. He's writing to Christians, people that had accepted Christ. But do we ever do that? Do we receive Christ and then we reject some of, us, some of the things that he's wanting to do in our lives? Oh, no, this is my golden calf. This is my deal, God. You can't have this. You can have this area of my life over here, but not this one. But typically, uh, those that end up in, in prison have lived a life of crime. You know, we talked earlier about how the sin that leads to death is, is a progressive thing. Most likely somebody didn't go to prison because they had never stolen or done anything wrong and go in and rob a bank. They probably started way back somewhere else where they begin to compromise, where their character was flawed and, and, and they continued down that path. They, they probably didn't uh, start to spiral downward decline by robbing a bank or doing something like that. Spiritual death is a process that results from the erosion of our relationship with the Lord for those that know Him. We hear of people all the time that maybe were Christian, but they've fallen. 
It was a process. And you know what we can do? We can pray for one another. You can please pray for me. <laughs> the enemy would like nothing more than to take off the head. If you remove the head, the, the body's dead. So when you think of Pastor Christine and I, when you think of, of Cliff, when you think of the leaders, pray for us, please. First Thessalonians 5.17, pray all the time, pray a lot. The prayer of a righteous person availeth much. So you're righteous. You're made righteous by the blood of Christ, not by your own deeds. So you have the power of God, the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. Let's use that power. So there's a, accountability in the local church that's important for our spiritual growth and health. I've had conversations with people like, uh, this is good for you. This is good for your family. It's in direct conflict with what the Lord has for you and what his word says. Yeah, thanks. Whatever. Adios, amigo. Spiritual growth and health is what the Lord wants for us. He wants this relationship with us, but he doesn't want us to remain babies all of our life. Jesus said in John 10.10, you know this one, come on now. The thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose, Jesus said, is to give them, us, a rich and satisfying life. Jesus came to bring life and overcome death. So my three points are, God is no respecter of persons. He doesn't evaluate others like we do. God provides for all of us. I love this. You're going to like this one. You are his prized possession. <laughs> Look at your neighbor and say, you're God's prized possession. Tell him again. Say it like you mean it. Come on. You're God's prized possession. Get fired up. All right. So James 1.16. So don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. He's saying, look, I, I've given you some nuggets of truth here. Don't negate this. Don't be misled. Verse 17, whatever is good and perfect comes down to us from God our Father who has created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. Have you ever been out in the country somewhere away from all the lights and looked up at the stars? I remember we were watching something on television and uh, Pastor Christine said, that's what it looks like in Africa. I said, are you kidding me? It was like looking at a piece of black velvet full of diamonds. The sky was just innumerable stars. I said, wow, that is amazing. Because typically, we don't see that, because all, all, I guess because of all the lights and everything. But take some time and just look at God's creation. Look at his majesty. He's writing to people that don't have electricity. And so we probably miss the impact of what James is saying about looking at the stars and looking at the sky and seeing God's majesty. God created everything, the sky, the mountains, heavens, animals, roaches, ah, flowers, everything. 
But take some time this week. Last night I stepped out into the backyard and I just looked at the moon. Yesterday we were driving home and the sunset was so beautiful. And I had this thought, I told Christina, I said, huh, mom's seeing a sunset from the other side. I wonder what that's like. But we, we get to meet here at this beautiful location every week. We've got the ducks out there and plants and God's beautiful creation. And then we get to come in here and we get to visit with God's prized possession. <laughs> oh. So let's read on here. James 1.18, he chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word. He chose to give birth to us by giving us Jesus. John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. Everything was created by Him, for Him, through Him. Verse 14, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. God gave us the Word. He, he gave us His true Word. We know that the Word of God is, that Jesus is the Word of God. And He gave birth to us when we we're born again. Verse 18 continues, and we, out of all creation became his prized possession. Think of all the beauty. Think of everything. Think of the most gorgeous landscape you can think of. As beautiful as that is. It pales in comparison to how he sees you. I think if or when we begin to understand this truth, it will change our life. We will walk in confidence, not arrogance, but wait a minute, I'm his prized possession. He really loves me. Do you know how many people are sitting in churches today that are hearing messages, but they don't really believe that God loves them? I wouldn't even know how to count that. But I can bet you there are a lot of people that are sitting in church today are saying, I, this is a great message for somebody else. I'm glad he loves them because I don't know how he could love me. I don't know how anybody could love me. And God is saying, I love you. Jesus paid the ransom for all of our sin. And yesterday morning, when I went to the hospital, or when I went to the nursing home, we gathered a, a few items, her Bible, her phone, a couple of things. And uh, I was looking at my mom. I said, she's not here. It was so reiterated to me. We know this, right? We know this that when somebody dies, their body's left behind and they're not really here. But it was so very clear to me. We, I've said this so many times, but we think that we're a physical body with a spirit. But we're a spirit being encased in a physical body. 
And when our spirit and our soul goes to heaven, that body is left behind. And it's like the Lord gave me this, this visual. If I would have had time, I would have done it. But just if you can visualize this in, in your mind. But you've got a vase full of beautiful flowers. And you see the, the life that was, I guess technically they're dead because they're cut off. But, but for the point of this illustration, you see the beauty of what God had created. You see that there was life there. And, and there's such enjoyment in that. What are you enjoying? You're enjoying the flowers that are in the vase. And then at some point in time, you take those flowers and you throw them away. And you're looking at an empty vase. And you're going, the beauty's not there. The subject is gone. It's just the container that's there. So when I was looking at my mom, I was saying, the, ca- the container is, is left behind. But she's gone. And maybe if we, maybe this is just for me, I don't know, but maybe if we considered that a little more and realized that this is just the shell, this is just the vase that encases what's really, really important is our love for Him, our love for one another, this, the Holy Spirit of God that resides in us. The Word says that we are the temple of God. So just something to consider. God is no respecter of persons. He doesn't evaluate others like we do. When we see people, let's be slow to judge them. We don't know what they're going through. We don't know what their life has been like. We don't know what's happening. But what if we just love them? What if they are really insecure and hurting or wounded or, you know, whatever, and we just love them? God provides for all of us. That's, that's the, one of the true benefits of this relationship that we have. Is God, God provides for us. He provides what we need. He's providing peace for me right now. And when, when someone passes, I, I normally share the scripture that I shared with you earlier about Philippians 4. And how that God will give us a supernatural peace to be able to speak at your dad's funeral, to be able to stand up here and talk about my mom this morning, that's a supernatural peace that I cannot muster up. It only comes from the Lord. And then my third point, which is really the, the, the topic of this message, is you are God's prized possession. And we didn't spend a whole lot of time talking about it, but I want you to reflect on that this week, that you are God's prized possession. No matter what you've done, no matter what you haven't done, Listen, we all stumble and fall, but we need to be aware of where the temptations come from. Listen, if you've got a weak spot, if if you have a problem with drinking, don't go sit at the bar in the restaurant. No, I'll wait for a table. God has given you the ability to say no. God has given you the Holy Spirit to help you, to lead you and guide you into all things. But one of the things he wants us to know today is that we are his prized possession. And he loves us. He loves us so much. I'd like for you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Maybe this morning the Lord is speaking to your heart. And maybe he's saying, you've been playing church. Come on. I want you to.
come into this personal relationship with me. I, w- I would like for you to rededicate your life to me today, or maybe you've never had a relationship with him. Listen, there's no shame in that. But if that's you, would you slip up your hand and catch my eye? Anybody here this morning? Anybody here? Maybe you're watching online and you'd say, Pastor Mark, that's me. Just pray this prayer. Just say, dear Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart. Ah. Oh. I ask you to come into my life. I ask you to forgive me for all my sins. And I receive your word that my sins are as far as the east is from the west. I receive your grace, your mercy, your forgiveness. And I thank you that this is a new start for me today. That this is a new beginning today. And that I am made new. And I receive you today in my heart and in my life. I receive your forgiveness. I receive this fresh start and fresh beginning. And I thank you for it. If you prayed that prayer, I want to pray one more prayer for you. Lord, I pray for the fire and the power and the love of your Holy Spirit to wash over every one of us, but especially those that prayed that prayer, that they would have a tangible encounter with you, Lord, that they would feel your presence. And as they read your word, your word would come alive and speak into their circumstances, speak to their life. Pour out peace upon them. Pour out strength upon them. Pour out encouragement on them. Whatever is needed at that moment. And that their sensitivity to your Holy Spirit would would increase. And they would recognize your small, still voice. And even greater still, they would choose to obey, Lord. So, Father, we thank you for all these things. We thank you for the opportunity to come into your presence today. Thank you for your peace. Thank you for this relationship that we can have. We thank you for your abundant love for us. We thank you for your presence here today. In Jesus' name. We hope today's message encouraged you. For more information about our church, please visit our website, lifefellowship.me. We invite you to join us again next week for another life-changing, uplifting message. And remember to live it.